0: Hello Trauma Thrivers, welcome to this week's live and podcast if you're listening to it later. I'm Lula Bentz and I'm the founder of Trauma Thrivers and today I'm delighted to have with me Elizabeth Burton Phillips MBE who is the founder of Drug Fam, which I will go on to talk to you about in a minute and that I've known for gosh a number of years now. It might be nearly at fifteen years, or I would say so. I think it's a long time, Elizabeth. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, um, pleasure. We're gonna be talking about drug fam and what you do. Um, Elizabeth's charity, which she founded in 2006, after very tragically losing one of her sons to suicide in 2004, was set up specifically to support those that have been bereaved due to addiction. And I think I read in your um, press release, Elizabeth, that one of us in 10, in the UK are affected by somebody else's addiction, which is That's so true, yes, yes. Yeah, high numbers. So it is, it is high, yes. Yeah. Uh, so Elizabeth, as long as her many accolades, has been awarded an MBE by the Queen. And she's author, also author of Mum, Can You Lend Me 20 Quid? Which has been translated into many different languages. And yes, yeah which is brilliant and she's campaigned continuously to raise an awareness and done an incredibly amazing job um and we're going to talk at the end of the interview just about drug fam and the annual conference which is sure. coming up in october saturday the 8th i believe that i'd really like to, you know you to talk more about elizabeth but welcome thank you so much thank you what what a career and what a history and what an amazing (laughs) thing that you're doing because there are a lot of people struggling with addiction out there and that means an awful lot of family members too yes indeed indeed yes and I wonder before you got involved in this work whether there was anything very much around in the early days for you and what happened for you what did you find gosh it's almost 20 years ago 18 years ago or yeah that's
1: right yes it's um, I think looking back well I know looking back now on those those times when we as a family were going through addiction with two boys twins Using and as a professional teacher, I was very aware of the word stigma, judgment. And I think that I learned um, from looking back hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? But you look back on your behaviors at the time, and what you do is by isolating yourself and keeping it a secret because of the stigma, you can't then break the stigma and you you push yourself into a place of isolation and you push yourself into a place of loneliness where it's almost as if you're holding a guilty secret from those around you Um, but I do remember very very clearly being so desperate to get some help not just for the boys but also for myself that I just didn't know how to turn where to turn I can't remember what google was like all those years ago in 2000 pre 2004 yeah. whether it even existed but the one thing i do remember was ringing the samaritans and they were always there to listen
0: amazing um,
1: and yeah. so yeah. i've always you know had such respect for them and i still remember to the day the the name of the lady who used to she had a special like number that i could ask for her if she wanted to ring me and, um I you know, I do really value that time that they gave me through through those difficult years.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but apart from that, I can't remember I can't remember very much right. at all in terms of support. I do remember going, because I live in Reading, going to down the Oxford Road to uh, a center where addicts could get help. Yeah. And I remember knocking on the door and asking if there was help for them or help for me. And the guy looked at me and said, "Why would you need help? What's it got to do uh, with you? Uh, What's it got uh, to do with you? You know?" And I said, "Well, I'm their mother." Yeah. But he didn't get it. He said, "Well, we're here to help the addict, but tell them to come to us, and that's fine. But sorry, yeah. you know, you don't understand what it's got to do with you." But I think it's wonderful that behaviors have changed. Yeah, support mechanisms have changed, coping strategies have changed, and of course, the thrust of this charity of mine, established after Nicholas passed away, was that you know we want to be there to support the family members whose lives are blighted by not knowing how to cope with addiction, so that when they find us, they're in a non judgmental safe, comfortable, confidential space that they can say what they like. Yeah. Um you know that's that's really where we are with
0: that yeah and and obviously you set it up off the back of of your own bereavement and what happened to you and what you've been through wanting to put that support in place for other Mm. people that were probably in a similar position back then without a charity or without any specific help that was similar to you
1: indeed yes I mean one obviously one of the the things that will stay in my mind forever is the police knocking on my door on the 19th of February 2004 and saying I'm so sorry your son is dead and it was a very young two young police officers and I think what you know what a difficult job for them as young police officers to deliver and then you know having to say he's taken his life and his brother has found him you know and I I almost felt like saying well sit down can I make you two a cup of tea you know how awful to deliver Mm -hmm. that news but it's 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 how if you're in that situation, particularly when you've got two two family members um, who you know have been uh, twins and who have been so close through good times and bad times, that you then suddenly realise grief versus relief. You know, yeah. on the one hand, you've lost one, but on the other hand, you're just grateful that you've got the other one.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's how how you process the shocking news of a son dying by suicide and finding a a path forward for yourself as a mother and as a as a family whereby um you come to your own emotional closure that you know having got counseling having the right support in place for you as a bereaved mother that you can then start something to do to help other people and you know that is an emotional journey that you you go on with the support of a really good counsellor
0: yeah and did you have one
1: oh yes did, most definitely yeah. yes most definitely i will always be enormously grateful to my doctor because obviously i went to see the doctor and said said to him what had happened and he obviously knew knew my late son and um my surviving son and he said i will set you up some counselling he referred me to local counselling services and it was the best thing that happened the lady that i had i saw her once a week for probably 18 months and she was brilliant I don't have no idea what technique method she used um, but she was really good I completely trusted her and I knew I knew when that time with her was was coming to an end because I didn't feel the desire to come and see her every week yeah and she got my head into a position of emotional strength really
0: and resilience yeah and and can I ask because I'm sure people listening will be wanting to ask this question what happened to your other son how was he because of it and through it
1: Yes very very difficult for him because as twins they were so close and did everything together but the the death of his twin was like he came to a crossroads and he knew that if he continued he could easily go down that route as well and in the sense that the the use of drugs Uh, could kill him um or you know he could get so desperate um that he might even take his own life and so we had a long conversation about how we could support one another as bereaved mother and bereaved son and um that's eventually why the book came out because we wanted to share the story but he made the decision that in his brother's memory he would not use again and that required medication for him to come off heroin yeah. and move forward without using methadone or any of the other sub- substances you know that you can use to to come off and yeah. I'm very pleased to say you know 18 years later he is in a very good place
0: yeah yeah how lovely wonderful thank god
1: yes absolutely yeah
0: yeah 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 amazing and does he get involved at all with the charity or is that solely your your well, shit?
1: He's, um, he's involved in the sense that he you can't see him but he's involved with the technical side of things like okay. the website and setting up email addresses for people because we have a lot of volunteers as well as members of staff and so anything to do with the techie side he's involved with but he decided, he, although he is a trustee, he decided that he needed to move forward with his own life without him being known as the brother of the twin that took his life. Yeah. He wanted to have, like, um, to let go of the past, and yeah. he sees his role as a, a practical support, because he's very good with techie stuff, you know, stuff that I haven't got a clue actually join the club yeah
0: yeah and forming your own identity and all of that yes very important for him Yeah, yeah 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 would be important so if somebody is listening to this and they are struggling with any family member that has an addiction is in addiction what are their What are the main things that you would say to uh, somebody that came to the charity or to somebody that was listening that Mm -hmm. was right in the middle of it still and, you know, didn't know what to do themselves to help or where they should go? Are there any words of wisdom that you offer to those that come to the charity with somebody who maybe isn't bereaved, but their mm. son or daughter or husband or mm. wife, whoever, cousin, is still right in the grips of addiction?
1: Yes, Lou, that's a really good question. Yes, I mean, the, my main message to start with is don't be on your own. Pick up the phone or email us. So email us on support at drugfam.co.uk. Resting assured that, you know, we, we will be completely... Uh, confidential with the information that you you give us um or ring us on 0300 888 3853 we're here uh nine till nine 365 days a year so that's the practical thing but once you've made that decision that you need to ring us and get some help then there are all sorts of things that we can look at that will you know will help you for example a a family member may ring up and say um I know that I'm enabling. I know that I'm codependent. I know that um, I have no boundaries. And these are key words that we like to work with, with clients, you know, understanding what a boundary is and how you have to stand by a boundary. If you say, if you're going to put it in place, wow. you know or if, you, if there's a codependent relationship or even a, a one that is has become very manipulative. Yeah. Um, we, we like to talk through with the clients the different um, strategies that they can think about. And for many family members, you know, if if you say to them, you know, you do have a choice. They, they're actually like, really? It's actually understanding they do have a choice. They don't have to be backed into a corner. And, yeah. you know, um, enabling and, and the manipulation that can go with that is, is something that we like to, really talk them through and each client that comes to us whether it's on the phone or through an email is an individual so we can't apply a strategy that we might apply to somebody who perhaps um you know just can't cope and can't stop giving money we yeah. can't apply that strategy to somebody perhaps who really wants to stop giving money wants to stop enabling so we look at them individually and work with them um i would say that um things for us as a charity have changed hugely because of COVID in the sense that, because I live in Berkshire, the charity was originally founded and it's registered to my home address here. It was originally founded here in the Wokingham area. So we were Berkshire based charity with a head office in High Wycombe, reaching really Bucks, Barks and Oxen. So that was our geographical remit in the sense that all our meetings, all our support meetings were all in physical spaces. Of course, post-COVID, it's a very different scenario because now we're working um, with, for example, on a Monday evening, I'm part of a support group that used to be in Whitney in Oxfordshire. It's called Whitney National Group. And into Whitney National Group come people from all over the country, as well as from Whitney. We even have two clients that come into us from uh, Malta.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah. I was yeah. going to ask you earlier, actually, because, you know, people listening to this might not be in the UK. Mm. You know, what happens if people are outside of the UK or in Malta? Can they still contact you? Can they still? Yes,
1: absolutely. Yes. Okay. Again, it's support at drugfam.co.uk, but we have a group on a Tuesday evening, for example. Um, that's very interesting how that's that's worked out in the sense that um They have clients in there that come in from America I think it's about lunchtime or something in America and the reason that happened was because during Covid Russell Brand who's a great supporter of our charity did an interview with me about you know what it's like to be a family member affected by addiction and that his his team put that out and it went out all over the place and we had people coming into us from Australia from Mexico from America you know and similar similar problems so um, the Tuesday night group is is known as the American, the Anglo-American group. <laughs> and we've got a group on a Sunday morning as well, you know, right. which is which is wonderful. I think the only night of the week that we don't operate as a, with a group is Saturday night
0: okay. um,
1: because, you know, I think it's important that our staff and volunteers do have
0: yeah. that
1: space. But we there's always a telephone. um okay always telephone support yeah
0: yeah and this not just for people who have been bereaved is it That's just right. for people who have been bereaved by addiction no that the
1: the the charity works with those who are affected by okay a loved, a loved one's use of drugs alcohol and gambling okay and often the conversations certainly I've been on the phones when the uh, the husband or the mother would say you know he's got a drink problem he's got a drug problem oh um, yeah and also he gambles um as almost as if it's so like oh and by the way but actually the yeah. gambling is entrenched within the problem yeah. yeah so um we we work with those who are affected by and those who are bereaved by and as i say do a lot of educational work in schools helping young people to understand that their actions and consequences can impact hugely on their
0: family Of course they can. And what's your thought? Because, you know, obviously addiction and drugs and gambling and all the rest of it. And, you know, having worked in addiction at the Priory for a long time, you know, I saw the whole gamut of, um, you know other strategies that we use you know whether it's codependency or whether it's um you know sex and love or whether it's food you know uh, do you see the charity at some point covering um all addictions process and substances um or or really just sticking to the the kind of alcohol drugs gambling more i i
1: personally think that um I mean, it's a discussion that I've had with our chief CEO, Paul Rompani, but, and I think he, he and I are on the same page that what we do, we do really well,
0: Yeah. And we
1: don't have experience of working with people with sex addiction, yeah. people with food addictions, um, uh, and I respect that that they all of those people need to support us, as do the family members, but I think we'll stick with what we do well
0: oh, do. yeah what
1: I what I would like, and I know that Paul, our CEO, would like this too, is that uh, we grow so that we're helping instead of helping five thousand people a year, we're helping more people, more and more people, and that we grow uh, different hubs, if you like. Yes um, so that we're able to run things virtually but also to offer people those opportunities to to meet once again in person. Because quite quite a lot of people have asked us where we, because of COVID, we've had to move to Teams or to Zoom. Oh, is there any chance we can actually meet back in person like we used to do at the office or at this particular hub or so on? So I think we want to explore that.
0: Yeah, there's uh, nothing like being in person really sometimes, is there? And that kind of... of piece and element and you know obviously aware that my previous life was mainly addiction and now my life is mainly trauma where are you seeing the links for you and drug fam between addiction and and trauma what what are your thoughts on that significant
1: significant links um a lot of by the time people contact us whether they are bereaved or affected by they are traumatized, Um, that is for sure. Um, They're traumatized because perhaps they've seen things, um, for example, a loved one injecting or a loved one both drunk and injecting. Perhaps perhaps they've seen somebody who's taken their life. Um, Perhaps they've seen how it's impacted on their own children. Um, or family members, and they're worried about the damage that it's done to the younger members of the family. So they're very much trauma, trauma, trauma is, is what we hear all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's traumatized by the addiction and what's actually happening in yes. the current moment, isn't it? Because yes. use is traumatic in and of itself. Yes. And what do you think about trauma potentially being a causal factor for addiction? That those that have underlying trauma then go on to use substances. Yes, we we we
1: do. Yeah, we do hear that and and talk to quite a lot of clients about that. That um, some several well many many families have said to me. You know, my son or my daughter went undiagnosed uh, for many many months um, because they had ADHD or they had autism or they had this or that or the other. And they started self-medicating because mm-hmm. they found that by using a spliff or by, you know, getting off their face on, on MDMA or using uh, cocaine, that it was a coping mechanism. And mm-hmm. then they found themselves in addiction. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um
1: so it's it's a very it's a very causal link. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah
0: so so you're all getting together in a big room very soon mm, yeah we are we already what what's what's happening tell us more about that
1: well having having had two conferences online um we decided we're all zoomed and teamed out so we made the the decision that we would have a physical conference um right. an in person physical conference on saturday the 8th of october and that we would um we discussed at length the title. Um, the title is The Impact of Grief on um, the, fa- the, the families um, because of because of addiction, the impact of grief um, on family on family life. And to that to that um, extent, we then I decided, I discussed it with my CEO, but I, I said, let's bring in family members who can talk from the heart as well as professionals who can talk from the heart about their own experiences. So um, we have two professionals. One is Dr. Sangeeta Mahajan who lost her son to suicide and she's an anaesthetist. So she's going to share her story. She has a video to share. She's going to talk about suicide. She's done a lot of work um, on that. And we have another professional uh, who is a counselor who's done a lot of work um, with um, both the family members and with addicts as well. He's going to talk about it from a a therapeutic point of view. And then we have uh, a gentleman talking about the loss of his partner during COVID to alcoholism. Another lady talking about the loss of her daughter. A very brave couple are going to talk about losing two sons to addiction, um, which is tough. Um, uh, Another young lady talking about the loss of her brother. So we've got a mixed bag of of people who are going to talk from the heart, and we're just finishing them. If you like the master PowerPoint now, and getting that all ready, uh, Saturday the eighth of October. So we'll have about a hundred people there in person, and we have given the option of coming in online because we appreciate that if you're in Scotland or the Orkney Isles, you can't. You know, well, you can if you can if you want. You're very welcome, but um, it is a
0: long way away. Uh, it is a long way, and you know, just I I, I wanted to ask you really just on that last point is since covid and everything that's been happening how have you as a charity seen what's going on out there in terms of addiction has it escalated in your opinion and and seemed to get worse
1: yes i would say so in the sense that when we went into lockdown on the 20th of march 23rd of march um we had a sort of telephone calls going on saying what we're gonna do, how are we gonna manage this? Um, and then somebody said, have you heard of Zoom? So that's how come that happened, that we were able to communicate. But what we then began to see was through our email and through our telephone service, we began to see this rise in deaths. Yeah. And it was, it was up 150% from oh. within 2020. And I know because I write to every single bereaved person and send them a copy of our handbook, details about how we can support them. So we saw a massive rise and, you know, family members telling us that he's been drinking a lot more or she's been using a lot more or gambling a lot more because we know what lockdown was like. It was really tough, wasn't it? There was a point where we couldn't even go out for a walk. Um, And people who, you know, were undiagnosed with mental health issues were using more and more and more. And then, of course, you get that terrible tragedy because, family members are going through their own bereavements without even a death in the sense that they've lost that person that they once remember. Yeah. And then you get this final death. You know, I, we had a lady who emailed in to say that her her son went out and scored drugs and used pure cocaine, snorted it and dropped dead on the bathroom floor. You know, well, I mean, those people are shocked in trauma and so on, you know, so we had, it was, it's like really shocking what's happened it's 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 evened out now in the Mm. sense that um, obviously we still are sadly receiving um lots of um, bereavement calls and requests for information but um it has evened out more i think we've had something like so for example in 2020 i can confirm that we had 150 deaths right um last year it was something like 69 and this year it's about 38 um and two things stay in my mind from this year alone is one week i said to my colleagues whoa what's going on here but 12 deaths in one week 12 and another week we had six whereas normally we perhaps might have one yeah maybe two there's since that we go through these phases where you know there's a spike
0: yeah it's it it feels like there's a lot going on for people And there's Mm. a lot going on even post-COVID and you know now now that we've got the kind of economic uh, doom and gloom and everything else, more pressure on people. And you know, drugs and and and, and alcohol and everything are an escape, aren't they? They are indeed, yes. And suicide being sadly the ultimate, but yes, not an escape for anybody in the family.
1: No because, you know, we have to pick up the pieces.
0: Yeah, 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 tragically. So how many do you expect at the conference? And, you know, how do people find out more really? I'd, I'd, because I, I've even got clients that I'm thinking of now, this would really, really help them actually to come well, and be with you and see you and share share in this kind of collective community that you- Yes,
1: lead. absolutely, yes, well, um... I can email you the details for purchasing a ticket through Ticket Tailor. We have right. hundred spaces and I think we're up to 70. And okay. we do know we do know that those spaces will go because okay. they're always the last minute people that come in. Um, so on our website there are some details about um, uh, joining the conference. Um, but I can send you specific right. details both for in person, it's yeah. £55, or online is £25, but the £55 wow. gives you a nice meal, lots and lots yeah. of teas and coffees and breaks and, you know, yeah. food yeah. throughout the day. It's
0: incredibly reasonable. It
1: yeah. is. It's very reasonable, yeah. 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 Whereabouts are you
0: holding it?
1: It's at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Gerrards Cross, which is okay. easy to get to from Maradabone because it's on that line down to High Wycombe. Um, and, yeah, it's, so we've got some... Uh, you know, really good hotel that we're going to go back to that's um,
0: served us very well in the past. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And here's to, I don't know, next year or the year after or whatever, yeah. people coming from all over the world to the conference. Maybe, so maybe. International. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. Maybe. maybe. What, what now
0: lovely. for you, Elizabeth, what do you want to go on and continue to do? What What's your aims really now?
1: Well, I, it's, you know, I've got a wonderful CEO. We've got a great uh, head of operations um, uh, and so on. And they they are in charge of the charity. They will lead the charity forward. I just want to see my bereavement team grow so yeah. that, you know, rather than just being dependent upon me and a colleague, that we will grow and have a, a bigger team of trained people um, who will be able to manage You know, when a young person of 28 emails us and says, can you help me? My father's died. My brother's died. You know, they've got multiple losses in the family. Um, So we have got training in place um, going on and um, that team is expanding and all of that team. I think we're moving from two to seven. All of that team will be at the
0: conference as well. Great, great is there anything else that we've missed do you think that you would like to say to anybody that's listening to this either through bereavement of a relative or through having lost that relative because they're still in active addiction is there are there any other words that you'd like to end with or any thoughts or
1: well I think the 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 best thing to do would be if this if anybody listening would like to speak to me personally, I'm very happy if they want to email me at DrugVam.co.uk, And that email will then come directly through to me. And if there's anything they want to share, any help that they might need, I'm more than happy to do that. Or they can go into support at drugvam.co.uk and it'll still come to me. But um, my key message is um, break the stigma. Don't be on your own. Pick up the phone and um seek support that you rightly deserve
0: yeah yeah thank you very brilliant message and hopefully lots of people will get some hope from that and some encouragement yes. because you know mm-hmm. addiction and uh loves isolation doesn't it it it, it, it kind of it lives in isolation and as family members connecting with others that are going through it connecting with a community not being on your own is just it's the vital tools isn't it it is really yes it's very important don't be on your own thank you and thank Thank you you so much oh pleasure lovely to see you and thank you for joining us and good luck with the conference. I'm sure it's thank going you. to be amazing. Yeah. So, uh, that, that there are impressed. bits
1: that are going to be filmed and I'll send them on to you. Oh, okay.
0: yeah, that would be fantastic. And if I don't see you there, hopefully see you soon and catch up. Yes, that'd be really nice. We love it. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for all you do. So appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye care. now. Bye, 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 bye.